Welcome to the Africa Speaking Podcast. The podcast discusses critical issues about the African continent. It is brought to you by Toyota Communications in Nairobi. My name is Kimani Njogo. We continue with our second episode in our three-part series of this podcast on trade unions in Kenya with historian and writer Zarina Patel. So again, thank you very much for taking me through this amazing history of the trade union movement in Kenya. And I think that, you know, we've come all the way to the 1940s and the young men, the young soldiers, have come back to Kenya and they have seen the challenge of, uh, you know, unfair treatment. Uh, the British soldiers have been rewarded for their service in the Second World War. The African soldiers have not been rewarded. They have come with some resources. And they have also seen in the Second World War that uh, it is possible to take on the British. And they have also been learning from India and independence and that actually you can go beyond reforms to real independence. And they are interacting very, very well with other workers in South Africa and there's also the labor movement in the UK. And Shaya Kibashia, at that time, has been arrested after organizing the strike in Mombasa and been taken to Cabernet, right. where he's been detained. Right. So, very, very dynamic period in the 1940s. And the establishment of the Chronicle newspaper. And the establishment of the Chronicle newspaper, which is clearly leftist in its orientation, uh, Mahan Singh, of course, doing amazing work with the workers and learning and the Marxist ideology also, you know, being imparted very systematically through the press and as well as through lessons and education um, at that at that moment. So and the, the connections with South Africa. So the connections with South Africa. So these guys are flying to Moscow, passing through Nairobi and going back to South Africa. Right. Very interesting. So what else is going on at that time? Very dynamic trade union context uh, in Kenya in the 1940s. Right. So there's generally, uh, uh, I mean, this awareness is not uh, uh, just restricted to a small group of people. There is a general agitation amongst the pheasants yeah. and the agricultural workers. Because there are plantations yes. that have been established through the colonial experience and workers who have to pay taxes are working on the plantations. That and all the squatters who are, you know, uh, and the people who have driven out of their so-called reserves. Correct. You know, and Correct. everything. Correct. Okay. So, in May uh, 1949, 1st May, yeah. Makan Singh, uh, together with Fred Kubai, they are in the uh, Labour Trade Union of East Africa. Fred Kubai has now moved into the scene. He yeah. Is... He was head of another union. Correct. Correct. You know. Uh, uh, and he was actually the secretary, the uh, chair of yeah. the LTU. Makan Singh is the general secretary. LTU is the Labour Trade Union of East Africa. LTU EA. Yeah. They now transform it into the EATUC, the East African Trade Union Congress, as an umbrella body for all the other unions. Ah, so uh, it becomes a congress. Yes. Okay. Okay. So that's 1949. 
first for me. So they set up an umbrella body of all the various trade right. unions in East Africa. Right. 1949. Yes. 30th of March next year, 1950, mm -hmm. Nairobi is raised to city status. Okay, okay. Nairobi becomes a city. It has it's lots of dynamics. Right. Mm -hmm. Now the EATUCC boycotts the celebration. So the Congress now. The Congress. The Congress. Issues a boycott uh -huh. of the celebrations. Mackenzie says, makes statements, there are two Nairobis, one for the rich and one for the poor. And the status of the poor, there is no thing whatsoever. So we have nothing to celebrate. Wow. So the workers yeah. are boycotting the celebrations yeah. of making Nairobi yeah. a city. Right. And of course, under the umbrella of the Congress. Right. And, uh, right. So you can imagine the consciousness, you know. Correct. Correct. Uh, the class consciousness now. Correct. The rich and the poor. Correct. Uh, on, uh, that was on, in March 30th. On 23rd April, that's the next month, mm -hmm. a mass meeting is organized by CAO, the Kenya African Union, mm -hmm. and the uh, East African Indian National Congress. Mm -hmm. They organize a mass meeting in which there is, the, of course, participation of the East African Trade Union Congress. Correct. Correct. Okay. Correct. And Makan Singh, seconded by Kubai. Fred Kubai. Yeah, Fred mm -hmm. Kubai. Mm -hmm. Then issues this demand for complete independence and sovereignty for the East African territory. So they start now asking yeah. for independence right. for East Africa. So again, right. very, very deliberate, not yes. Kenya, Absolutely. it's East Africa. Yeah. But a public demand. Mm. Next month, 15th May, Makan Singh and Kubai are arrested and the EATUC is banned. This is 1950? Yes, right. yes, just the next month. Yeah. This is in April they have made the demand on 15th May. So the first people to be arrested really are from the trade union. Oh, yes. From yeah. the trade union, yeah. from the Congress itself. Right. right. So it's not the politicians in quotes here, it's the leaders of the workers. Yes, I mean, I don't think that the politicians uh, uh, were not heard yet. Yeah. They were there. But they were not heard they yet. They were not heard. Yes. You know, yes, right. Yes. Of course, then there's a sham trial of Makan Singh. They had to do it in Nairi because they couldn't, you know, in Nairobi, it was too dangerous. And, um, so so, okay, when they were arrested, the following day, nationally, the workers declare a general strike. So, just, just, just to backtrack a little. Yeah. So, they are arrested in Nairobi. Yeah. And uh, taken to Nyeri. Well, uh, Fred uh, Kowai is uh, imprisoned here in Nairobi. Yes. And uh, a few days later, Makan um, Singh is moved to Nyeri. He's moved to yeah, and yeah. then there is a huge... They, they realize that they can't have this trial here. It will create too much, you know, agitation amongst the workers. And uh, the very next day of the arrest, the workers in Kenya, nationally, Mombasa, Nakuru, Kisumu, declare a general strike. Uh, within With, a day? Yes, within, so a, day. Like within they, a day. That means they had systems for rapid organizing. Yes, but also how entrenched they were amongst the workers. Correct. 
and the, the, the level of consciousness amongst Kenyan workers. Absolutely. Hmm? This is 1950. Yeah. I mean, today it's organized general strike. No one even tries. <laughs> Absolutely. Kuwait actually was then released on, on 27th May. Now, this was another way of the colonialists trying to divide, you know. So, Kuwait is released first. <laughs> while Mahan Singh... Mahan Singh is uh, detained for 11 and a half years in the North Francia district. So, right? Mahan Singh is arrested in 1950 and he's not released until much later. After Kenyatta is released, he was a much bigger threat to the British government than Kenyatta was. So, Mahan Singh is arrested before the declaration of the emergency yeah. in 1952. Right. And he stays in for 11 years. 11 and a half years. 11 and a half years yeah. in northern Kenya, as it were. So now when the uh, ATUC is banned, Kuwait and Kagia is one of the uh, ex-servicemen. From... Bildad Kagia. Yeah, Bildad Kagia. Bildad Kagia had served in the Second World War. He's also right. back and he joins the trade union movement. Right. And he's working closely with Mahan Singh right from the 1940s. Uh, no, well, he comes back in 1947 or something yeah, from yeah. the war. Correct, correct. And then gets involved. So he, Kagia, together with Kuwait, they become chair and secretary of Kao. Yeah. Kenya African, African Union. Union. Yes. And quite unknown. Because the Congress has been banned. Yeah. So you need an, as another platform, yeah. uh, organizing platform. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And quite unknown to the leaders of Kao, who are Kenyatta himself, Jomo Kenyatta, and the rest of the Kao committee, okay, they were not aware. And they, these were the people who held reformist views. Correct. And also were not interested in workers, frankly. Yeah, okay. the, the, the Kao the wing, that right. is, yes. Right. More, more reformist than, uh, than radical in terms of, you know, the pursuit of independence but and workers' rights. Within them, Kabai and Kagia formed an inner militant core mm -hmm. and began to support the beginnings of Mao Mao. Within Kau. Within Kau. Yeah. Unknown to the rest of the committee. Correct. Together with other uh, trade union, you know, uh, workers, uh, offic officials. Correct. Okay. Correct. Um, so they're organizing from within and now realizing that now the options are becoming less. I mean, the, the colonial government is becoming more vindictive and there must be a different way of dealing with it. Well, they, they, they opt for armed struggle, right? Yeah, they have to go to armed struggle as, yeah. as, the, as the only alternative at that time. And uh, the, the armed struggle was, of course, waged in the forests, in the Avadales and all that, Correct. okay, by the freedom fighters. Uh, but their supply base, information base, and all was from Nairobi. Correct. You know, Correct. and actually, Kuwait was head of the taxi drivers uh, union. So the taxi drivers played a very important role eh, in ferrying arms, in ferrying information, bringing back uh, freedom fighters for uh, medical treatment, all that kind of thing. You know, the taxi drivers. It was huge. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They connected the forest to Nairobi Correct. and other urban areas. Correct. Okay. Correct. And it is the workers' movement which really uh, drove Mau Mau in a sense. Correct. So in terms of the engine of Mau Mau and the intellectual input, I mean, so one could say that fundamentally the armed struggle 
was leftist in inclination. It was class conscious. And was it leftist on account of the... If the organizing was being done by Kagia and Kubai and others who had also interacted with the Chronicle and interacted with the South Africans, would one claim that in terms of its orientation, it was more left? I think the, the group that was in Nairobi here was mm. definitely left, okay. ideologically. Yes. Okay? Yeah. I don't think the forest writers wow. uh, yes. were at, at all Correct. ideologically uh, educated. Correct. You know, Correct. Including, I don't think, that Rankin himself, I would not say was left. Correct. Progressive, yes. Yeah. Anti-colonial, yes. Yes. But I'm not sure about the left part. Okay. okay. So in the group here, Kagea and Kuwait had the official positions. Correct. But they were working together with people like Minya, Fran Lalset was later deported, mm-hmm. uh, Pio Gama Pinto. Pio Gama Pinto, yes. Yeah, Jedi Kali. Yes. Kali. Uh, there's a whole yes, lot of names. Yes. So all these people were the think tank of the struggle. And Pinto himself, of course, was absolutely key to fundraising, which he did together with uh, the in- government in India, Jawaharlal Nehru. Vinto had a personal relationship with, with Nehru. Nehru. Okay. And was able to get funds uh, from India. I don't know whether they actually got the arms or he bought them somewhere else. I'm told they used to, it used to come to Dar es Salaam and then get ferried to Nairobi and then it would get ferried to the forest. So technically when Mahan Singh gets detained, Pyogama Pinto and others step in yeah, right. to feel absolutely, this gap absolutely. and to, to continue the solidarities yes, between yes. Kenya and, and India. Yeah. I read um, Shiraz Durani's book yeah. on Pyogama Pinto right. and he does talk about these connections between Gama Pinto yeah. India, including actually Mozambique. He does talk about those connections with Mozambique, South Africa, the African-American community, and so on. An amazing, a completely amazing... Uh, I mean, Finto, just before he was uh, assassinated, had been planning to go and join the friendly more struggle in, in Mozambique. Mozambique. Yes, yes, it's interesting. It's, it's very, very interesting because I read uh, Shirazi's book and I was like, Wow, I didn't know yeah. that Pinto was that connected yes. with the Socialist International. Right. Because that's precisely what, what was going right. on at, right. at the time. Right. Uh, so the military struggle has started, uh, the liberation struggle, right. the armed struggle has started, the declaration of emergency in 1952. So the emergency declared in, in October declared. 19, 1952. Yeah. Yes. Indiv- you know, of course, the individual trade union still existed. Yes. But now they didn't have the uh, engine, you know, the leadership, as, let's say, overall. Correct. So individually, they, they tried to continue to struggle on their own. Mm. Uh, until in 1955, uh, they come together again, and they formed the KFL, the Kenya uh, Federation of Labor. The Kenya Federation, Federation of, Labor, of Labor, 1955. 1955. And who, uh, the general secretary then is Tom Mboya. Very interesting. A young man. Yeah. A young Tom Mboya. TJ. TJ. Right, yeah. Brilliant. Very well spoken, you know, and, and almost militant, you know, yes, yes. Uh, in his thinking. 
Uh, he's the assistant general secretary. Initially, the government tried, in fact, to deregister the KFL. Yeah, kind of addition of yeah. labor. Yeah. But then it changes ideologically because Cambodia begins to accept funds from the U.S. and aligns uh, the the KFL with the AFL-CIO trade unions uh, in the U.S. Which is something that Mahan Singh had resisted. He wanted complete independence of American, British, and, and Russian influence. Yeah. Wanted something very, very independent. So Tom Boyer is now looking for affiliation with uh, with American trade yeah. unions. Yeah. And that makes the British government uh, quite happy. Yes, of course. I mean, because now there is more liberal... Because now they've got more control yeah. over the KFL. Correct. You know, uh, and so many others than the workers of Kenya, right? Correct, correct. You know, so minimizing the radicalism. And remember that this was, of course, the era of intense Cold War rivalry. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it was a big, you know, it's a very big win. Yeah, very, very big win for the British. Right, and then uh, of course during the emergency and all that. Uh, nothing very great happened, yeah. dra dramatic happened. Yeah, at the time it's concentration camps, yeah. people are being arrested yeah. and so on. Uh, Fred Kuba is arrested. But on the other hand, you got African leaders now coming into the legislative council. Correct. You know, and the political voice being now heard. Yeah, the Legislative Council, 1954, Daniel yeah. Arap Moy becomes, uh, goes the legical, there's Eliud Mathu, Mathu, all these people. Uh, getting into the legislative, uh, yeah. legislative council to try and be co-opted, as it were, right, right. into the thinking of the British right. and uh, trying to do the reforms and so on yeah. and kind of reduce the the pressure from the from the liberation struggle. Uh, Voya, in 1962, this was just prior to independence, eh? yes. um, Voya is appointed as the Minister for Labour. Yes. At that time, Dennis Akumu, Dennis Akumu, yes. A, a very militant absolutely. trade unionist. Yes. You know, together with Ochora, Makinengo, Vicky, Macharia, yes. those people, they object to his affiliation with the uh, U.S. Uh, trade unions. And they formed what they called the Kenya African Workers' Congress. Mm-hmm. Almost in opposition to the KFL. Correct, correct. And they are affiliated to where? To the All Africa Trade Union Federation of Ghana. Aha, uh-huh. absolutely. And, yes. and of course, Ghana at that time has gotten independence. In, in 1957, yes, Ghana yes. is independent, yes. and Kruma is uh, talking really about talk, imperialism. He's talking about imperialism. He's pushing the Pan African agenda right. rather strongly. Yeah. And and the liberation of the rest of the continent. Yeah, um, there are a couple of other unions. There's Kuwait's Kenya Trade Union Congress. Mm. He has his own, and then there is the Kenya Federation of Progressive Trade Unions, also mm-hmm. alongside. Mm-hmm. But the main thing was the uh, African Workers' Congress. The Congress banned in 1950. Yeah, they bring in the concept of Congress again. Just as right. we, you know, in the early 1960s. Absolutely. Yeah. So now there is these areas of conflict, yeah? And um, I, I would imagine to ameliorate uh, conflicts between workers and unions and all that. In 1964, they established the Industrial Court. 
because the Kenya Indian Congress, which came after the East African Indian National Congress, is transformed into the Kenya Indian Congress. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Kenya Freedom Party, uh, in which Vinto uh, and all, all these other more leftist uh, Indians were at that, at, at that time, uh, both disbanded. So, uh, you know, the whole left voice it's silenced. was muffled. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, you've got uh, what happens to Jaramogi, but I think we'll come to that later. So, the formation of KOTU, the important thing is, it's formed by the government, not by the workers. So, they disband the Congress, they disband all this, and now you have the Central Organization of Trade Unions yeah. under Lubembe. That's right. Formed by the government. Formed by the government. And therefore, under the government's influence. The president, uh, Jomo Kenyatta, had a direct role in approving the leading officials of Koto. In those earlier days? In those days. No, well, that went on for a long time. Yeah? Yeah. And actually, I've written here that system continues to this day. Hidden or not, mm. it's there. It's control. It, the trade unions in this country, even today, are not a worker organization. They are too aligned to the political elite. Yes, and they have a labor aristocracy in the leadership that is aligned to the uh, ruling class. So, KOTU gets established, it's formed, it's under the ambit, as it were, of the state. Right. It's being controlled by the yeah, state. Right. Uh, the workers are just cogs in a machine, right? So, that t technically now weakens its, uh, the workers' capacity to agitate for their rights, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. This concludes our second episode in our three-part series of this podcast with historian and writer Zarina Patel. Thank you for listening to the Africa Speaking Podcast. Join us in our next episode, brought to you by Triza Communications. My name is Kimani Njogu. For any comments and views, you can reach us through our website, www.africaspeaking.org. You can also reach us on Facebook, Taweza Communications, or on our Twitter handle, at Taweza Coms. You can also write to us on email, info at africaspeaking.org.